0: going to be called Dilemma, and if you want to give it some sort of uh, s- subtitle or something like that, you could say the struggle is real, because this is, this is what I feel just kind of in my spirit. This is a uh, message that, honestly, I've kind of had burning in me for a long time, but uh, some things have happened over the last couple of weeks that has really just kind of reignited this in my spirit, and I, I kept trying to move along and, and, and kind of go into something else and, and find something else to preach, but I, I kept feeling like I should bring this back, and, and then um, at our department head meeting, Pastor Josh actually said something. He was going over some information and, and just kind of mapping out the, the future of our church and, and stuff like that, and he said something, and he said it only at this meeting, even though this was the same information that we had gone over at our directional team meeting, where it's just pretty much your staff getting together and, and kind of talking and planning things out. But he said something there, and I'll get to it a little bit later, but it just kind of, it kind of cemented it, you know, that, that this is something that I should talk about. And, and uh, I really feel this in my spirit right now. I just want to tell you, and I want to season this. I'm going to talk about some stuff tonight, and I'm going to talk about it openly. I'm going to be transparent. I want us to be honest. I want us to—I'm going to be honest. But here's what happens oftentimes when something like this is talked about. There's always this kind of uh, tendency to say, well, that's uh, not—you know, well, we don't have to do that, and I know that. Um, You know, especially when we start talking about struggling with stuff and we start talking about— Dealing with sin, or even not sin issues, just struggles and stuff like that. um, You know, it's it's kind of easy to just have the answer uh, that that you know God can get us through anything, and that's true. I believe that God has given us victory. I believe that we're dead to sin. I believe that that we're new creations. But I also believe that sometimes we need help, and I also believe that sometimes we're weak, and I also believe that. Um, oftentimes you see this a lot in the church, especially that oftentimes we believe that if we say that we're weak, that we're either giving up or we're admitting that we're maybe not as good Christians as, as we think we are or, or something like that. And I just want to tell you guys that that all of that is is something that I, I believe has creaked its way into the church and, and I'm gonna kind of combat that tonight because One of the things that I believe is I believe that in order to get victory, we have to understand, because listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If we could do everything ourselves, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. We could still be under the law because uh, uh, if we were able to do everything ourselves and we weren't weak and we weren't going to struggle, then we wouldn't need a, a perfect sacrifice because we could just use the atonement that God had already set out, you know the the law that God had already set out, He wouldn't have had to send his son to die and i I believe that that what that says to me is is that it's okay to not be okay sometimes, but then what I also believe, and this is scriptural, and I'll get to that again a little bit later, is that when we struggle, if we can admit it, and this is where the problem comes, because oftentimes we don't want to admit it, right, right. and there are several reasons for that. And I'm going to talk about it tonight, but we don't want to admit it, and uh, that's where we, I like to call it church clothes. We church it up. We put on a church face, and and, and what, what oftentimes happens is... Uh, you find yourself a lot further than you actually wanted to be. Um, So anyway, this is going to be encouraging, right? (laughs) Um, All right, Romans 7.14, it's also going to be up on the screen for you guys. This is in the NLT version. I love that kind of translation, so if it's not matching up, just just bear with me. This is Paul talking about exactly what I'm going to talk about tonight. So the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Keep that in mind. Keep that little that little sentence in mind as we go through this. And then verse 17 says... So I am not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. Let's pray tonight. God, I pray that as I speak this message, God, I pray that I speak it the exact way that you gave it to me. In my spirit, God, I pray against fear of, of of what people may think of of me, Lord. But I also pray that that it's seasoned with with your word and with your love and with biblical truth. And right now, Lord, I bind out any uh, preconceived notions of of what struggles are and and what it means to be uh, to to struggle and what it means to be dead to sin. And, and instead, Lord, I pray that we let scripture be scripture tonight lord i pray that we let your word be your word tonight god and and lord i pray that just in the same way that your spirit has been here all night god let it be here let it permeate this message god And i pray that we leave here change god i pray that we leave here challenged in your holy name i pray amen um Paul goes on like that for a while, pretty much until the start of, of chapter 8, but y'all, y'all kind of get the idea. Paul's saying that, that hey, the, and this is the Apostle Paul, right? This isn't like pre-Jesus Apostle Paul. This is Apostle Paul, and he's saying, I know what is right, but I do not do what is right, even though I want to do what is right, but oftentimes what I end up, and, and it's like, remember that old skit or, or whatever it was, it's like the, the man on first, and I don't even know it, I'm, 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 too, I'm too young, I'm not even going to pretend that, you know, that I'm there, but uh, um, yeah, yeah, we should watch it, and that's going to be the rest of the church tonight, um, but you know, that's what I think of when I, when I read this, but I also read this, and I see myself a lot of times um and uh, you know because i'll be honest with you sometimes i uh i'll be doing something and there's like the spiritual me inside that's like what are you doing you idiot um you know and i'm gonna tell you a very embarrassing story last night i'm gonna i'm gonna be an open book tonight (laughs) please uh don't be scared um don't leave Because Pastor Josh is is better. Um, So basically, last night, I've been telling my son, he's three, and for some reason, he's been bit by our dogs like probably about six or or, or seven times. But for some reason, he will not leave them alone. Um, He just won't. Uh, And and so last night and over the last couple of days, I've been telling him, I've been saying, hey, leave the dog alone. He's going to bite you. And he's like, no, he won't. And I'm like, oh, how quickly we forget, right? Um, So last night, he was messing with the dog, and the dog nipped at him. And when I say bite, like, I'm not talking about like he's biting his hands off, you know. He's like, just nips. And uh, so, of course, I'm upset because Judah got got bit. I'm upset because Judah's upset. I'm trying to do homework, I asked Judah not to, not to mess with the dog, and, and so at, at some point, something broke. Um, you, you ever had that feeling that it's like something just died inside? Um, and, and so I went to go punish my dog. Well, I tried to pick my dog up by the nape of his neck and carry him, and I was going to put him outside. Well, my dog freaks out, turns around, bites me, and then starts projectile peeing everywhere in our office. And so, um, like, you ever, when, when something, uh, I, I channeled the Apostle Paul um, when, when this happened, and, and when something bit me, I just shook it off, you know. The problem is is I shook him about three feet into the wall, and I remember sitting there thinking, like, the, the room turned red, and, and I'm just like, I'm so mad now that I'm just like, I can't even talk. Like, I ran out because Rachel's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I can't even talk. I'm just like, I have the, the, the dog, Judah, ah. And so, like, I, I walk outside, and I calm down. But I remember during this whole episode, like, the, the real me was inside going, dude, 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 calm down, calm down. Everybody's going to die if you don't calm down. Calm down, <laughs> calm down. And so I can understand what the Apostle Paul talks about because I do sometimes feel like I'm two different people. And uh, really where this message comes from is, is, and I'll share a little bit of my personal testimony. I've shared a little bit before, but I'll go a little bit deeper. But there's a pastor, um, and it's been almost uh, about two weeks. And at the time that I actually started preparing this message, um, he had uh, attempted suicide. This is a pastor that... If you looked at him, you looked at his family, you looked at the smiles and the pictures and and uh, what his church was doing, and you listen to messages and and stuff like that. This is a pastor that honestly I would look at and be like, dude, I kind of want to be that guy. You know, um, he's got like the perfect Instagram pictures and the 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 perfect family, and like you look at pictures of his church and it's growing and and God's moving, and, and then he he attempts suicide, and. Uh, this this was written a couple of days ago by a friend of mine. I didn't personally know this pastor, but I know this friend. And, uh, you know, it, was, uh, I'm, it hurts to say, but the pastor did end up dying from, from his attempt at suicide. And uh, he wrote this. He says, A family has lost a father and a husband, while a church has lost a pastor. Listen to me. Please pray for your pastor's. Because you don't know what hell they are going through battling on behalf of pushing the kingdom forward. Trying their best to pour into people. If I'm crying, I've got pepper in my eyes. Um, so it's not that I'm crying. It's pepper. So don't judge me. Um, trying their best to pour into people, meet everyone's expectations, helping others fight battles while they fight their alms in secret and alone. Um, It goes on for a couple more paragraphs, and and I was reading this, and I started thinking uh, of kind of myself. Now, I'll be honest. I've never been uh, to the point to where I've felt or thought about suicide or anything like that, but I have felt this um, in secret and alone as a pastor because there are certain expectations that you feel like you have to live up to at all times, and if you're not uh, if if you admit that you're dealing with anything and it doesn't have to be sin like this doesn't say that the guy Was battling a bunch of addictions and a bunch of sins It says that he was fighting his own battles, but he was doing it in secret and alone And so I remember as a youth pastor and i've been in ministry for a long time guys I was I was in ministry here for almost 15 years before I stepped down as youth pastor And uh, for those of you all that don't know, I stepped down as youth pastor, and Pastor Roland, he said that it might be a good idea for me to step away from the church because I had been here for so long that I wouldn't really be able to step away, and it wasn't really respecting our new youth pastor, and also it would just be a good idea because I had been here since I got saved, and to sit under different pastors and leaders and stuff like that. Um, During that time, I realized that I felt like this. I realized that there was things that I had gone through that what was happening is that I felt alone, I felt depressed, I felt, uh, I felt like I couldn't really talk about it to anybody, I couldn't, I couldn't confess this stuff, I couldn't go and, and ask for prayer because I was too worried about what was going to be thought, I was too worried about what it might cause, and honestly, th- sometimes, I'll be honest with you as a pastor, sometimes you're worried about losing your position. Um, and, you know, it wasn't these deep-seated sin issues, and I'll, I'll talk about this stuff a little bit more, but it wasn't deep-seated sin issues. It was issues like anxiety, and it was issues like, like uh, anger, or it was issues like I, I was tired all the time, and I needed, I needed prayer, and it was just things that I was struggling with, but I, I felt like I had to do it alone. And so what I want to tell you tonight, church, is I want to fight that. I want to fight that idea, and I want to tell you everybody here and anybody that might listen to this, this is going to be a church where you can come and confess stuff. You're not going to be judged. You're not going to be looked at crazy because I can speak for all the leadership here that we care way more about your salvation than we do, than we do about your position or, or your reputation or what it looks like here. Amen. I I I can speak for Pastor Josh in saying that that we don't care. We would rather see you healthy and built up in Christ because I believe that God can give us victory through this stuff. Um, and, and I'm gonna say this probably a good good bit tonight, so please don't let it be redundant. But um, if I'm to be honest, in all my years of ministry, when I look at At the things that people are struggling with it's not some like deep-rooted like demon-possessed sin right it's not some some i hate god type issue it's not some i love sinning type issue it it normally starts off as, as something small and also just to be honest with you a lot of the times i've seen that it's just a a struggle to be consistent um because consistency is not a sexy word right can, can we be honest, um, when, when you were, like, when some of you guys who are married or, or if you're dating or something like that, like, when you were looking for your spouse, like, you probably were like, hey, they're pretty good looking, or they're, you, you know, the, c- consistency probably never came up, right? You, you were probably like, dang, dude, they're consistent, you know what I mean? Because consistency is not sexy, and and, and so come on somebody like consistency is where a lot of the times these these battles are won but but what happens is when we get out to where we're doing this stuff alone and we're scared to admit that we're struggling then the consistency is broken um let me ask you this have you ever noticed that there's normally just like one or two things that you've struggled with, like it's, it's not, it's rarely just some bombardment of, of issues. It's normally like one or, or, or two things that you're struggling with. And again, if we're to be honest, um, I, I think the reason why we struggle like we do sometimes is because we're scared to confess it. We're scared to get past it. We're scared to admit to somebody that we have um, issues. And, and furthermore, I've seen that we're scared to, to confess to God. You know, some somewhere, and I, I've done this somewhere. We do something, and we're we're like, oh, I did it again, or I'm struggling with it again, and then the guilt comes in because it's like, God, I've I've prayed about this, you know, um, and you start to feel guilty, or or maybe even angry, like you know, God, I thought I was past this. Like I've prayed through this. I've I've asked for you to do this, and and uh, you start to feel these feelings, and and you know. Or or maybe you feel like you're going to be judged if you have somebody that you want to talk to. And and so I want to tell you guys it's always a great idea to find somebody that you trust, whether or not it's leadership here or friends or or something. I have friends that I I can go to now because I decided it was really unhealthy for me to ever get like that. It cost me a lot of time with my... uh, relationship with god it cost me you know to i started seeing some anger issues and and stuff like that some stress issues and so that started to manifest in my marriage and and you see this stuff and and it started out as something simple something that i could have probably honestly could have went to pastor Brad and been like dude (laughs) please pray for me and i just remember i was like i'm never going to do that again I'm never going to be at the place to where I feel like I can't go to somebody. I'm going to surround myself with people that I know that I can be safe. Um, then there's the next thing that comes, and it's the lies that I must really be messed up, you know, or, or I, man, I really am weak. Then there's more guilt and more lies. The next thing you know, you feel so guilty that it's starting to kind of bleed into your relationship with God. Has anybody noticed that that, that happens, or am I kind of out there alone? Um, Judah is three, and um, everybody that said that two is bad is, are liars, um, because three is bad. It's like a new level of bad. Um, it makes you. Have you ever like found yourself wishing like like sometimes when I'm getting on to him, I'm like, I wish you were two, you know? No, that doesn't happen. Um, but you know, I call it three major. And uh' it's, it's terrible because now he's starting to get, you know, it's not just temper tantrums like he had when he was two. Now he knows the stuff that that gets me and he knows what he can get away with and what he can't. But also, there's something that's really beautiful that comes along with this stage of life is he's starting to realize that when I get on to him about something, now he's starting to notice that he's doing it without me having to get onto him. And so this last week, especially, There's been a lot of, like, him coming to me, and he grabs my leg, and he goes, I'm sorry, Daddy. And I'm like, what are you sorry for? And then he's like, I set the stove on fire. And I'm like, fantastic. Well you know, at least you know what you're doing. And, and he, he actually asked me to forgive him the other day. And it was like a, a tear came up in my eye. And, and I, was, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, Judah's starting to realize that, that there is stuff wrong that he does and that he does need to ask forgiveness. And, and, and let me ask you something. Why can't we do that with God? Why can't we do that with God? Why is it that you're talking about Jesus who died on the cross for us and sometimes we're scared what's going to happen when we tell him we're going through stuff and i want to give you like a really good revelation he already knows um pastor jeremy I, i love jesus but i struggle from time to time and even more so i struggle with stuff that i thought that i was past and and honestly if i was to tell you why it's because there's an enemy and, and sometimes the enemy's the devil. Sometimes the enemy's you, right? Sometimes the enemy's uh, your own flesh. Sometimes the enemy's the voices in your head. But there's one thing that he is good at, and, and it's that he is consistent. He is consistent. There's a record of your life and your weaknesses because of of what we talk about and the things that the voices we listen to and, and the things that we struggle with and, and and he knows about it. And so what he does is oftentimes like a boxer. I remember growing up as a kid, I'd watch boxing. I'm like, why is he just sitting there like slowly beating him in the ribs? I'm like, he ain't gonna do nothing. Punch him in the face. But then as I got older, I realized that what he's doing is he's he's working that spot. He's working that weakness, and, and eventually that will break down. That will, that will hurt just enough that, that what happens is you stop being able to to block good, and you stop being able to breathe good, you stop being able to move good, and it's slowly breaking down one weakness, and, and the enemy's good at that. <laughs> um, and it reminds me of Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. If you've ever watched that movie, there's like a part of the movie where they're like, where'd that bite come from? They're like, they test the cages, to see if the electricity is on and uh then that made me think of another story with judah hey you're gonna hear a lot about judah every time i'm up here you're probably gonna hear about judah because he gives me a lot like sometimes i just carry around a notepad i'm like yep um that's coming up somewhere sorry kid um And and, and so, but it reminded me of Judah. I I went to the park with a friend of mine. He lives out in Bremen. He has a young daughter that's Judah's age, and she's crazy like Judah. Um, And so we had been chasing them around this park all morning. We're tired. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm getting older. Um, I'm getting larger. I don't like to run. I don't like to chase my three-year-old everywhere. And so the concession stand was open, and they had these like cage doors. It looks like Prison, prison bars, and uh, on, on each end, and so we were like, hey, they kept running in there, like, let's shut the doors, and we'll go in there with them, and so we did, and they're playing with the car, and they're, they're kind of chilling out, and we're like, this is brilliant, why didn't we do this, and then his daughter, you know, Judah's sitting there rolling the ball, he don't care, but then she walks up, and, and you could see the wheels turning, and she walks up to the cage door, cage door, right, um, and he, she goes, And then she looks back at Judah. I'm like, oh, no, they're testing the cage, you know. And, and after that, it was pretty much over. She realized that it doesn't lock and that she could just push it open. And so it all started again. But, but it, it's basically testing and finding these weaknesses. And I know that well, I, I've learned that the enemy can't kill you. He can't totally take you out. But what he can do is make you feel disqualified. What he can do is make you feel like you're guilty. He can make you feel like you're, you're not strong, and, and, and then he, he can make you feel far from God. And I know that that's one of the things that I felt, is I felt so far from God. And, and I want to tell you tonight, church, that oftentimes the fact that you feel like that isn't an, an indication that God's left you. It's an indication that you're a threat to somebody that you're a threat to an enemy, that, you're, that you have a calling of God on your life, and some of us are so concerned, and, and we've lost all of our confidence because we're scared of what it will mean to admit that we're struggling with something. Listen to me tonight, church. We have to be better than that, because it's going to start with us. The way you create a church that's a safe place for people to come and, and admit sin is we have to be able to come and, and confess sin. We don't have to struggle with this stuff alone. We don't have to deal with this stuff alone. And that's another lie: is that that uh, you know, if we confess, then it's over for us. If I say that I'm weak, then then it's over. If I say that it's to admit struggle is to admit failure. Um, We have those thoughts a lot, and we see that even in our culture to admit that we struggle. But listen to what James wrote in, in chapter five. He wrote, "Confess your sins to each other." And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you want results, confess, confess, confess to God, confess to, to people grab someone that you know will pray for you that's why like whenever i have the chance i kind of tell people about our prayer cards and our prayer request cards because we do that we pray we grab these things and we pray over them because i believe this scripture when it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results um pastor jeremy i don't want to i don't want people to think i'm a hypocrite I I dare say that it's more hypocritical to pretend that nothing's going on, right? Um, Romans 7 is odd to me. (laughs) If you read Romans 6 and then you read Romans 8, then you'll read Romans 7 and you'll start to think it's odd. But it's not odd because of what it says. It's odd because of where it's located. It's located... Right after chapter 6, Paul is talking about, I'm dead to sin. I've been raised with Christ. And then he goes on to kind of go further into that thought in in chapter 8. But then you have chapter 7. And I want to tell you tonight, church, that I'm grateful that Paul did not shy away from chapter 7. Paul is saying that, listen we're dead to sin, we're, we're a new creation, we've been justified, we, we've been raised to life with Christ. Our, our, our old is dead and the new has come, but what he's saying is, I do want to remind you, however, that we still are human there is still a thing called sanctification. That's a, that's a nice little churchy word, right? Sanctification. If You probably don't even know what that means unless you're in a church, right? But um, sanctification. And he said, there is going to be a struggle and a tension that will always be there as part of humanity. And then he says that I want you to know that not only have you died to sin, but you've also died to the law because the law is powerless to save anyone. And I'll put it to you like this. My wife, I actually heard another pastor use this illustration, and and I thought it was cool. But my wife and I, we're about to celebrate in January 11 years of marriage, and that's amazing. Yes, Um, give it up for my wife for dealing with me for 11 years. Um, and, And it's amazing because it feels like time is flying by, but You know, I was thinking the other day that if something were to happen to me in 15, 20, 30, 40 years when she gets married again, um, she doesn't have to be stuck in the marriage that she was in before. Like, I know that she loves me and, and, and stuff like that, but she's free from that. She doesn't have to walk around feeling like she's committing adultery or anything like that because she is... She is free from that. And I was thinking about the law and, and how it's powerless to, to do anything. And, and, but here's what Paul is saying. He says, don't get me wrong. The law is needed to expose sin. Remember, he says, it, it's when I know that I'm doing wrong, wrong that I realize the power of the law. We, we needed the law. We need the, the law to let us know that we're doing something wrong. We need a, a litmus test. We need something. And, and when we read God's word, we're able to say, okay, my life is not lining up with this, but it cannot save you. Um, and, and here's really what I think all this boils down to is I don't think we always fully die to the law. And you see that, let me explain what I mean. I see this a lot in youth ministry. I see teenagers that come and they, they give their lives to Christ, but then rather than becoming followers of Christ and, and realizing that life is a journey and, and that they can be free to get, get, go through stuff and get free from stuff and, and, and things like that, they start to just modify their behavior they start to read how they're supposed to be, and they start to be told how they're supposed to be, and they, they start to develop this mindset, and then you end up having teenagers that when they go off to college, they don't serve God anymore because they realize that the behavior modification doesn't last, because at some point, you're going to struggle with something, and, and it's, it's true with us, too. The behavior modification doesn't last, but we need the law to show us what's wrong, I want to tell you that the power to save is in grace. Amen? Amen. Um, one of the greatest things that I love about grace is that it's basically saying that we don't have to do anything anymore to get to God. He's done something to get to us. And grace isn't just a singular act, because, and this is kind of something that frustrates me. Um, when pastors do talk about stuff like this, they talk about grace as only like, hey, you can do whatever you want to because there's grace. And that's not what I'm doing tonight. What I'm doing is is you can feel free in this place to go through stuff and know that there's people praying and know that there's people that's going to get behind you and help you through it because God has given you the victory. You're dead to sin. Sometimes we just got to realize it. Um, and, and grace doesn't just free us from that sin. It's not just the original uh, justification, but it's the, the process. It's, it's God giving us the power to get free from that grace. It's God giving us somebody that you can go to and, and have them pray for you. It's, it's God giving you somebody that can counsel you. It's God giving you somebody that can look at you and just say, man, listen, I'm praying for you. Know that I'm praying for you, and it's okay. It's okay and you're going to get past it, and you're going to see victory. Band, if you would, come on up. It's about knowing that we can be free from sin. Um, I don't remember this guy's name. It's been years since I've heard this quote, but it stuck with me. Uh, a theologian said that you'll never really understand a relationship with God until you can understand That he is our loving father. And the reason why I like to use Judah so much, and you know, I shared the stories that he's been asking for forgiveness and saying he's sorry and and stuff like that because he's learned that my grace will cover his mistakes. I gave him the law so that he would know what he's doing wrong. And now he he recognizes it and he knows that my grace is there for him to come and say, I'm sorry. And what that's doing is it's...